listening to Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. Welcome to Hawks Insiders, your Wednesday night safe space as we uh, look back uh, and close the door once and for all on a big disappointing opening performance by the Hawks at the MCG last Saturday or last Sunday. A 59-point loss to Essendon. We will uh, dissect it one last time before turning our attention to matters selection and other bits and pieces. And look ahead to Sunday's, what we'll be hoping is a rebound game against Sydney at the SCG. A rebound for Warthog probably won't be the four points, but it will need to be a better effort. Um, good to have everybody here with you. Thanks for joining us. Um, I am joined by two co-hosts tonight. We're down a few soldiers uh, to use Clarko speak, but uh, one or two of them may come back and join us over the next hour or so. Uh, Andrew Weiss is in the driver's seat this evening. Weiss, good evening. G'day, Ash. G'day, everyone. And uh, when you lose a few soldiers, don't you just replace them with some others, uh, expecting a bit of uh, a bit of interaction with everyone in here tonight? Because I'm pretty sure everyone will be feeling pretty frustrated after Sunday's performance. Yes, this is a place to vent. So, uh, by all means, hit us up with a comment, or even better, a uh, request to speak, and we will get you on. Uh, and get your views. All views are welcome here. As I said, we're flying a bit uh, short tonight, so we'll be happy, uh, we and I, to have a, a breather and let other people uh, take the floor. Um, and Simon Morowitz is going to join us, hopefully, as for the full hour. He doesn't have futsal duty tonight, but he's having a few tech difficulties. So, Morrow, get your speaker thing organised, and we'll get you on as soon as possible. Um, thank you, uh, Everybody, for your support of Hawks Insiders, $5 a month, $50 a year for great Hawthorne content. We had a lot of fun doing the 83 series, both in word and in podcast, in conjunction with the footy club. I think the boys are sitting down doing another podcast tomorrow uh, with somebody who's fairly close to the uh, fairly close to what's going on at the Hawthorne footy club. So I look forward to that one. Um, but we see we shouldn't wait any longer. Let's just revisit one last time. The horror that was the 59-point loss to the Bombers at the MCG on Sunday. What were your two or three key takeaways? Now, you've had a few days to uh, digest it. Probably not watch a replay, but uh, what were your takeaways? I haven't watched the replay uh, for obvious reasons. Look, the takeaways that I've found interesting have been um, the commentary not just in the media, but from fans across, you know, all our platforms and socials that seem to be very, very divided. Um, A a whole group of people uh, really upset and not happy and the pitchforks and the the flames are out and, and, you know, I, I am personally in the other camp that sees that as a bit of an overreaction because it's round one, 2023. Was it disappointing? Absolutely. Were there positives to take out of it? Absolutely. Uh, I think a quarter time um, and despite the result and despite what happened halfway through the second term to the end of the game, at quarter time, there wouldn't have been any of the um, Hawks supporters in the 60 Five sixty-eight thousand crowd that wouldn't have been ecstatic with what they'd seen. Um, the goals were great. The run and carry was great. And actually, at quarter time, the conversations were around how great the free-flowing game plan and an attacking, aggressive game plan was. So, you know, if we get to round 15 through 20 this year and we've got two or three of these 10-plus goal losses in a five-game period and there are questions over structure and game plan and all of that sort of stuff, okay, maybe then I would think it's time to, you know, be starting to ask some questions. But it's round one on the path of this rebuild and there was plenty to see that was good 
to stay upbeat and positive. What did you think, Ash? Well, I also, you know, it was really upbeat at quarter time. I turned to people, I was watching the game, and said, geez, they played, the last 15 minutes, they played really well. But in hindsight, it was fool's gold a bit because all the goals were, I mean, they were great goals. We loved watching, you know, Amon know one from distance and Fergus Green get it, his goal, and, and Chad Wingard kicked what was probably the best goal he's kicked in all his time at Hawthorne. It was a vintage win. That was the sort of goal he was kicking when he was a exciting 21-year-old for Port Adelaide and, and twice winning All-Australian selection. But it was fool's goal a bit because what we weren't getting are the goals that the good teams get, which is just the, 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 the mark inside 30-40 and the straightforward conversion. There no contested marks you know, and goals from the key forwards. That's what we weren't getting. We weren't getting goals as a result of forward pressure, you know, creating opportunities from, you know, tackling and harassing and keeping the ball locked inside 50. It was just free-flowing, you know, it was CJ at his best. I mean, he got his goal in the second quarter and uh, the, the long goal from Carl Amon. And it was great to watch. It was really pleasing on the eye. But, it, you know, it, it became fairly clear in the second quarter Essendon were getting their goals in a much more orthodox fashion and the frustrations of the forward line that were evident in the first 10 minutes and then sort of didn't matter because we were getting sort of getting these long bomb goals. But the dysfunctional yep. forward line was pretty obvious to me from the start. Yeah, but so there's a couple of aspects to that in terms of Chad's goal, which was fantastic. He actually dropped a mark that he should have taken, which was from a centre bounce and a brilliant passage of play. That actual passage of play was absolutely magnificent. I think it was McKenzie that he laced out and he should have taken the mark. And you're right about what you're what you're saying in terms of the forward line, but we know this, like we've known this going into the season. This forward line, even with Mitch Lewis in it, is going to be dysfunctional and take a lot of work. With him out of it, you know, we've been asking the question all pre-season in the month leading up, how is how are we going to kick out goals? Who are the key forwards going to be? We've known that. And then when you pull that back into... Uh, the whole team, like, we're not going to be getting everything to click from round one. And the forward line, which was the most disappointing, is actually what we've expected to be the most disappointing. So, like, when we go through the good as part of our good and bad section, Ash, actually all of my good players, bar James Sicily, are basically midfielders. And whilst we didn't necessarily win overall in terms of that midfield battle, the names that you're talking about and what they produced on Sunday are enough to go, that's a tick in terms of that aspect. Great. Take that as a positive and move on. Well, go through your goods. Um, anyway, the midfielders were probably the highlight of the game, apart from Sicily, it was a sort of a one-man uh, one-man show down the back line. Uh, t- take me through what uh, you did. Y- y- your positives were out of the game. For sure. So I think um, everyone was pretty happy with and impressed to see Cam McKenzie in action. Um, and we mentioned it in our match recap and and when we did our player ratings the other night, Ash, that um, there was a case of um, Harry Sheasel who. Because obviously, you know, we know the backstory there. We saw how he performed. Um, but to see Cam McKenzie do what he did, particularly in the first quarter, in the guts, not behind the ball, that was seriously impressive. And he, he certainly looks like some sort of footballer. Faded, it was said to me by, it was said to me before the game, I, I was chatting, I'm like, you know, he won't mind dropping his name because he's, you know, somewhere in his heart is still a bit of Hawthorne man. Um, Harry Sheasel's father is, is a mate of mine and he obviously watched every game at the Dragons last year when he's watching his son play. And I said, well, okay, what about McKenzie? And he said, McKenzie, he said, you like McKenzie because he does, he, what you see is what you get. You're not going to get the brilliant highlight reel stuff from McKenzie, but you're just going to get good, consistent, hard football, reliable football from him week in and week out. Not a lot of show reel stuff. But you'll just love his consistency and his and his work rate, um, and I think that's what we got on uh, Sunday. And I think it's what we're going to get from the, over the course of the season. Like a lot of players, he faded after half time. It was his first, you know, the second game in of open age football ever. But I, I think there was a bit a bit to like about his game. Yeah, so I mean, that actually already begs the question: if if 
that is a feature of his game. And you'd say that Josh Ward is probably the same. Uh, and even to some extent, John Newcomb, like you know what you're going to get and they're going to be industrious and work. And um, those first two obviously have silky skills. At some point, you think we're going to need to add a point of difference X factor into that midfield. Um, but... Yeah, look, he looked great. Josh Ward as well, um, building on from the end of uh, the season. I think, what did he have, 25 or 26 touches? Really looked good with it. Um, used it pretty well. Uh, obviously got his hands on it quite a bit. Um, James Warple, who all year, certainly through this forum, and again, supporters over the last few years have rightfully so been on his back. He had an absolute standout game, um, faded a little bit in the second quarter, as did everyone, but 29 touches. I think he had our most metres gained, most score involvements, most inside 50s. Um, I think 14 of his 29 touches were contested. Um, still, we talked about um, wanting to see him be more damaging on the scoreboard. He had some good opportunities to to kick goals but didn't. Um, but if this is the James Waffle that we're getting all all season, we know that there is that spot for him. And, and you mentioned, Ash, maybe um, you thought maybe it was, again, further proof that him and Tom Mitchell can't play in the same side together? Yeah, it's my theory. I mean, I, as, as I've watched, I mean, I'm sure that there's probably a way they could have, you know, if you, if, if they kept up persisting with another summer. But it just looked to me like, you look like the Warper we saw in 2019, and, and he, it's just, he'll play every game now, I think. And, you know, he when he gets back to 2019 level, it remains to be seen. But I certainly saw enough there to think that, you know, he'll replace a lot of what Horton had with Mitchell. I mean, his disposal decision-making is still not brilliant. His defo- disposal efficiency can improve, but he's just a the ball magnet that they've lost with, with Mitchell. So I don't think the loss of Mitchell is going to be catastrophic. you interesting to listen to Craig McRae um, talking on the radio. They're not looking to Mitchell to get the sort of stats tallies he used to get when he played for Hawthorne. They'll use him differently. And I think, you know, we're not going to get 40 touches a game out of uh, Warple anytime soon either. But there's a role for him as a bigger body midfielder. I think the matchup on Sunday against the Swans is a really good matchup. You know, it's just sort of, they've got those sort of similar sort of midfielders so I'm looking forward to seeing how Warford goes. I think yeah, the SCG will actually be a good venue for him on Sunday. Yeah, and I think that big body side of things really, really important because we saw against Geelong in that first preseason game, like it was it was boys against men in there. And obviously Newcomb's fairly built, but Walpole just adds that extra big body running through the midfield. So um, certainly at the moment, his role is significant. Just the other couple of players specifically, and I won't touch on James Sicily. Everyone saw his game and, and he was the only one getting it regularly and doing something with it out of the back line. Um, Personally, I thought Connor McDonald had a fantastic game. Um, probably in the second half when a lot of players faded out, he seemed to be running pretty hard and, and making space and, and getting the ball and, and being a really good option around half forward. So I actually thought he had a really good game. And the other one, I'm actually going to fly in the face of... Um, Brad, since he's not here and can't defend himself, uh, he should be on in a little bit. Um, he he obviously released his selection dissection today and dropped Jarman Impey. Um, I actually thought, uh, especially compared to a lot of what we saw last season, it was a pretty good game from Jars, um, without being exceptional, but he had 18 touches at 100% disposal efficiency, so... You know, I think there were far worse players that should be under the gun um, in in the lineup before before him. So yeah, and obviously mentioned sis, um, but there's quite quite a a few on the other side to work on. Ash. Yeah, I think Luke Bruce kicked three goals. I mean, he missed one in the first quarter, but uh, the kick around the body that landed literally right on top of the goalpost that he probably should have kicked. I mean, it wasn't the greatest three goal game we've seen. From Luke Bruce, but he, he sort of you know, he battled away, and the delivery of the forward line was generally pretty poor. The polarising figure, I think, for a lot of people has been uh, has been Will Day as well. Whether people thought 
uh, there's a bit of support of, amongst our crew that said he did okay. I thought he battled a bit. Um, I thought some of his display, again, he, he wasn't alone in, in this regard, but some of his kicking into the forward line. He, he did well. There were great moves to get the ball, you know, from half forward into the forward line, but some of his decision-making and where he put the ball into the forward line uh, was was awful. So I'm not quite sure I... on, on Will Day. I actually had him here in bold and have missed him, but he was, and we had this discussion during the um, during the pod the other night, Ash, I actually thought he was fantastic. So I was on the side of the fence to suggest that he tried all day, he ran all day, he made himself an option all day. It's the first game that he hasn't, spent majority majority of it behind the ball as as a as a back flanker I guess he probably played more than any other game in his career that he has through the middle of the ground and on the wing and he he did drift back into the back line to help out but I, I thought that in terms of the progression of Will Day I thought it was a fantastic game for him and clearly a building block for him to get um, stronger. Smog's actually just messaged um, and it has just gone off my screen. Let's see if I can bring it up here. Day had seven Day had inside s- 50s. So, um, and I think he, he might have had a significant number of rebounds from 50s as well. So his running up and down the ground was significant. But yeah, you're right, Smog, seven inside 50s. Um, when you look at um, our our um, our progression through to the forward line and scoring opportunities is significant. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought that you could only really take a positive out of it. Um, and yeah, we will we will see. Hopefully, he can continue that form into into the Swans game on the weekend. Uh, Wok, you got a question for us? Good evening. Wok? Wok, good evening. Just have Sorry. to hit. There you go. Sorry, I didn't realise my mic was off. Um, yeah, just a few statements. Like, looking at the game, and I was at the intra-club, and I think I came on the safe space the night after that, and I said that Ramsden's is, what, 202, 203, quick. Like, lead, he actually surprised me that he led to good spots. He's got all the athletic traits and I'm not saying he's as good, but he's got the athletic traits of the Max or Ben King. We just need to play him so that he can get the uh, uh, the hang of the AFL level. And he's obviously kicked four goals on the weekend and I just can't see there's never going to be a better time to play him than now. Um, like, because he's not it. And I know what I saw Danny write a tweet during the week that if we leave it if we drop Cosy now, then that's basically his career done. But he's not the answer. And I think Ramsden is. And we may as well get 50 games into him quickly, in my opinion. I mean, there's a few other things I've got. But that's the main one. I just I, We need to select him this week. Yeah, Walk, we've, um, we've had quite a few comments about the forward line amongst ourselves and in our group. And um, I definitely think he's one of the options. For me personally, I think there's three options in terms of the four, well, four options. One is you stick it out with Cozzy, um, and it'll be interesting to see what Sammy does, having effectively, um, effectively taken him off in the third quarter and replaced him with Hardwick up forward. So what's that saying? I think you could bring DGB in to play as a defender and send someone like a Sam Frost up. I know Prinzi's dead set against that, but Frost with a bigger bigger yeah, body. Um, the other potential would be similar to Ramsden. Um, the word was that Max Lynch had a pretty good preseason up forward, play him solely as a key forward. But then, you know... You've got three rucks in the team. Uh, c- could he turn into a forward? You wouldn't necessarily think so. I-, I think the other part of it as well is, you know, we're all expecting to see with Reeves and Meek, one of them to play deep as a big-bodied forward. And-, and that just didn't happen. They were rotating off the ground or much higher. And um, 
uh, that that for me was puzzling. But Ramsden, of course, is the other one. Um, whether or not they think he's um, developed enough, um, whether or not they think he's ready to take on bigger body uh, defenders, I guess we'll just have to wait and see with that. Thanks, that. Just a quick one with that, though. That like, th- there's a few things I've got, and I'll go real quick. Like, yeah. The rucks weren't that good in the ruck either, and that's that was part of the problem. And then the other thing is, if Frost goes forward, oh, hello, what's he, hello, what's Frost? Hang on one sec, mate. If Frost goes, sorry, one sec, new footy sorry. fan. <laughs> if Frost goes forward, what's he going to do? Get thirty meters out and kick it out on the full, so he's got a handball. Like, I just don't think that's the answer either. Like. I mean, Frost was causing chaos for Hawthorne in the back line as well. So I'd actually almost drop him. Frost and bring in Scrimshaw. Because it's just Frost ball doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a perfectly, perfectly valid opinion. I, I agree with what you said about the ruck too. I mean, our ruck, ruckman dominated when it came to hit outs and even hit outs to advantage. But... Only from a pure stat sense, not at all from a game sense. You feel like Draper's um, enthusiasm and the way that he was um, getting everyone G'd up had much more of a role than our ruck did. And again, as we said on the player rating pod for for both rucks, it was a case of, okay, it it really didn't work out. But again, it's game one in the life of having those two as our key rucks and seeing how it works. So uh, they get the chance again against Peter Laddams on the weekend. Yeah, I was disappointed with Meekin Reeves. I mean, we've sort of said, you know, and I was big on this as well, so I feel a bit disappointed by it all. I said that based on last season, Hawthorne's record with two competent ruckmen in the side was pretty strong. So here we go on uh, on uh, Sunday. Had three ruckmen to choose from. They went with the two that were in the most form and they got very little... Out of both of them, I mean, they think also won hit outs, but they didn't wasn't hit outs to great to any real effect, and you know Essendon, you know, dominated, you know, were better at the set of clearances and, and clearances in general. I think so. That was a disappointment to me, and I've been a huge fan of Ned Rees, and you know, on record saying I think he could be one of the best ruckmen in the competition in you know three or four years' time. I mean, you know, you don't want to throw him out after one game, but I was disappointed in his game. Meek sort of didn't give me a lot to get particularly excited about. They all get second, third, and fourth chances. And they're up against not much in the ruck this week. The Swans, Laddams might not play. Hickey's not playing. So there's a chance, you know, there's a chance for Hawthorne to have, um, you know, they might have to ruck McLean, who's probably more of a forward than a ruck. There's a chance for those guys to come and do something this week and absolutely dominate the ruck and be, and just be, be more powerful around the ground. That's, you know, so many things you're looking to see out of Hawthorne uh, to perform better on the weekend. It nearly starts with the two big boys in the middle. Uh, so, um, also we've got, we've got a uh, new footy, new, new, footy, new fan. footy fan. Let's hear from you. Good evening. Sorry about that before. I, I don't think I could hear Wok. I thought, um, I thought I'd actually lost the connection. Um, yeah, look, I just wanted to, the only two comments that I really wanted to add was, um, yeah, I was a bit surprised that Will Day was uh, not getting a positive review. I really did think that he was sort of one of our better performers, um, on the day, no, no pun intended. Um, I think reactions to sort of say, oh, this player has to be dropped or that player has to be dropped, I think given the off-season that we sort of had, we're gonna, fans are just going to have to be in that position where, at least for a few more games, we're going to have to sort of assume, look, Sam's got to have a plan here. And I just get the impression there's going to be, it's going to be one of those seasons where there's going to be a lot more pain um, before you know, the good times sort of come. I mean, you, you sort of hope that there's a lot of 2005 in this in terms of, well, that's going to be a difficult season, but hopefully that's going to sort of lay the foundation for um, for future seasons. Um, the, the other thing as well is that I'm, I'm sort of always a bit reluctant to say after a performance like that, oh, this player should be dropped, that player should be dropped. You sort of, you don't want to be bringing in new players that aren't ready to sort of fix someone else's mess, if you know what I mean. But the question that I actually did want to uh, ask of yourself and Ash is um, what's the go with Hawthorne's front line 
uh, a forward line, sorry, essentially misfiring for sort of going on seven years now. Like, is it a delivery thing? Is it a structural thing? Or our forwards just ever, never – because really since the three-peat, we've really sort of had trouble – I guess since uh, Ruffy sort of retired, we've really had that difficulty in terms of having a forward line that you can really rely on. So, yeah, I guess that's my question um, to, to the panel is what's going on with the forward line for over the last few years um, at Hawthorne? That's a really good question and um, one to probably worth uh, taking time to think about. But I, on first glance, I would say that um, – they often haven't had continuity there. Mitch Lewis has looked likely, but been, he's had a bad run. And if, if Brad was on, he'd be uh, he'd give he'd give a chapter and verse about how Lewis is unreliable. Um, we he finally came good last year. I mean, really exciting last year when Lewis, the first sort of half of last season when Lewis was playing the sort of footy he did was really exciting. Um, but then then he sort of had niggles for the second half of the year, and now he's had the setback now and. There'd be grave pessimism that we're going to see anything close to his best pretty much for the entire season. Even when he comes back, there's doubts about how effective he'll be after that, that knee uh, injury he's got. Jack Gunson, they've had no continuity. For Gun- Gunson's not there anymore, obviously, now, but there's been no real continuity about Gunson. You know, he's missed a fair chunk of footy as well. Um, they've sort of had a ro- rotating cast of small forwards. Tyler Brockman looked good in 2021, didn't play at all last year. Um, Luke Bruce is great, but you don't build a forward line around a player like Bruce, and he's a complimentary piece. Um, Kaczynski, hot and cold. They haven't really had a lot of opportunities to sort of bed down Kaczynski and Lewis. I, mean, I don't have the stats in front of me. It'd be great to work out how many games they've actually played together on the same side in the last two or three years. If anyone wants to do the research while we're on the podcast and get back to us before we finish up, that'd be great as well. So I just think there's been a lot of continuity issues. And the midfield's been... Not great. The midfield has not been effective the last few years. And a good forward lines rely on great delivery from the midfielders. And Hawthorne has not had enough of that. What do you think? There's a few others as well. Yeah, spot on. Completely agree. Just a few others that come up, come to mind. I don't think we expected to lose Cyril as early as we did. He had a few good years left in him. I think we were always trying to replace David Hale as as a... Um, forward that can ruck and, you know, you think straight away, I think about Tyrone Vickery and trying to bring in a big guy who can replace him the ruck. So um, it just just hasn't worked. And in terms of those replacements, we seem to be looking elsewhere instead of developing from within. So I agree with all of that. And, you know, Brad, Brad will be the first to say, you know, and and he has been saying as part of this rebuild, it's going to be the toughest and the most difficult to fix because key forwards don't grow on trees. As you mentioned, he's sceptical about Mitch Lewis and his ability to get onto the park regularly, given what we've seen in the last few seasons. And, And who knows, perhaps it'll be, you know... Again, he's mentioned, you know, going after one of the kings or what have you. It might be that when it comes to a key forward to fill the gap, we were right into Tom Lynch and didn't get him, that potentially that that will be our avenue. But for now, we've got what we've got. So we've got, you know, another 20-plus games to work on what that might look like. David, good evening. Uh, evening, boys. There you go, mate. A uh, couple of things out of the weekend. You're right about the rucks. From where I was sitting, we were winning the rucks handsomely, but they were clearing them, and especially in that second, third quarter when they were running the mark. And I really believe we've got these young blokes. Um, young um, Newcomb's very strong, but I honestly believe, and a lot of people might poop at me on this, but you need the tackling machine in there. You've got to have Connor Nash in there. You've got to have someone that can smash bodies when they get the ball. They were just one handball, one out. No one putting pressure on the first ball. It gets the bloke who got the ball. And I just think Nash has got to be in the middle until we can, until the young blokes get a bit of physical beat up on them about them. The other thing is, I think our forward line is, the problem is, our forward line are all leading forwards. None of them are big monsters who can stand in the gold square and put their hands up. And because we, we on Sunday, what we did is a lot of the times, as you said, that young Mackenzie hit, um, hit Chad on the chest and he dropped it and turned into a brilliant goal. But we would seem to be, when we're in trouble, we're going long to the forward line 
the problem is we've got Cozzy's best year was the year when he was playing with Lewis and leading out from centre half forward and being the mid target going out. The problem is we haven't got a forward that you kick the ball on. We've actually got to go the other way and go to a bit bit of the old day stuff of set the ball and work the ball around the 50 metre out until you find someone who's free. I don't think we've got the forward line set to kick the ball long into it. That's my opinion. Yeah, and it's very easy to defend. It's a good point, though. It's very easy. To, when, when you're just poking the ball around 50 trying to hit up a target, it's very, very easy to defend. And Essendon's defensive structures were really good, and it's going to be no different against teams like the Swans and Geelong. Even North, I watched North firsthand on uh, the weekend, and they were defending pretty well also. So uh, Clarko's made that his absolute first focus at North. So you're right. Um, the whole plan On the flip that- side... On the flip side of that, Ash, and like we were banging it long at times to three or four on ones, which again made it surprising that it wasn't to a Mink or a Reeves deep in the forward line. I watched Fergus Green lead, 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 and either get ignored or absolutely the but- the ball would get absolutely butchered as it was being delivered inside 50. Chad did it a couple of times. Will Day actually did it a couple of times where you just sort of cringed because there were good leads double back a good lead again and they were either ignored or we just butchered it. So yeah, there's a bit of work to do there. Um, yeah, I was saying before that uh, it's very hard to it's very easy to defend against Hawthorne. Um, we just haven't seen enough of the, the complementary forwards of Cozzy on the lead and, and Lewis is the one who can hang back and take some big grabs, which was the case last year. Absolutely. And just a quick shout out. Thanks for the thanks for the points, Whitey. Um, David, congrats on the premiership uh, in the Victorian Summer Baseball League with your kids recently. Uh, big, big uh, fan of the Insiders. So just a quick personal shout out there. Thanks, Weezy. Oh, well done, big boy. Good, uh, good work, um, Patrick. Good evening. You got a question or a comment? I was just going to say, hey, don't get me started on the uh, Matthew Lloyd on Footy Classified already accusing us of tanking. But I wonder how we pick up a key forward if let's pretty much say we it looks like we could get the number one pick, which. I mean, you'd have to take it on Harley Reid, and I'm sure even Brad would would say that. Um, and then we've got the three father-sons. How do you think we pick up a key forward at the end of the season? Well, I don't yeah. think it would necessarily be the end of this season, right, Ash? Like, we're talking about potentially in two or three years when we're a bit more established getting a mature Yeah, I think this, player. They, this year they go in the draft and they won't be doing anything to sacrifice their first two. Their draft strategy this year is that, you know, if it's not the first pick, they'll be picking the top the way things are going, probably in the top three they're going to get. And there's one or two key forwards, I think, without knowing the draft intimately. I might have to get to know the draftees uh, more intimately than I thought I would, given what we saw on Sunday, uh, the top few. But they, they've they got Will McKay. Their draft strategy is around getting a top three to five pick, depending on ladder position this year. And um, Will McKay almost certainly as a father-son selection in the second round. Now, he's quite tall, Will McKay. Whether he's key four tall, I don't know. But he's uh, he's six he's, he's six foot five, six foot six in the old scale. So he's quite a big boy. Certainly big as his old man was. So the key forwards will come. I mean, the, the Hawthorne's list strategy, and someone was asking me about this in the office the other day, and it's, it's fairly clear is that Hawthorne will hit the hit one or two more drafts and then Tasmania comes into, into play. And in some stage down the track, the next three or four years, for one or two years, all the best kids will be going to Tasmania, as they did to Gold Coast and GWS a decade ago. That's the time Hawthorne wants to be weaned off the draft and use and where it can selectively trade or use free agency, and that might be where they bring the big key forward in. So I don't think there'll be any big plans to get a key forward in this year. And look, we were middle of last season. We see, we talked about this often on this uh, on our on the spaces and in our, in our pod reviews and in certainly our WhatsApp group. One stage last year, Mitch Lewis was giving us as much reason to be excited as Max King was at St Kilda. Ben King had been at Gold Coast before his knee injury and named three or four, uh, Aaron Norton of the Dogs. Mitch Lewis was playing at that level for a period of time last year, which had us thinking, 
we've solved it. We've found our we've found our key forward for the next five six years. Now the durability issues have come up again, but there's reason to hope with Mitch Lewis that he's of the quality that he can actually build a forward line around for the next five years. No doubt, we, we threw Harry McKay into yes, that. Yes, I'm just trying to think of the names as yeah. well, and yeah, like he was actually the equal to that. Who's the young um, forward that's already stepped up, but ready to just for years take the competition by storm? Obviously, notwithstanding the fact that he's got the in- the injury history, and now it's here again, and that was the frustration before last season when he came good, was, again, after the glimpse that we'd seen a couple of years before it, the injury factor. So hopefully hopefully, um, Brad's concerns won't be realised and, um, you know, this is just a minor hiccup. But I, I think for me the concern, Ash, is he's clearly one piece of the jigsaw puzzle but a lot of good teams have two big forwards and who's the second, like at the moment that's not evident. So it it could be the second player that we're looking for. It could be a Mitch Lewis replacement. If we, if we don't get the best of him over the next few years, uh, Brad, hello, you're with us. Evening all. I'm just driving in the car, coming back from a work function. So I apologize what that I've missed. Um, yeah, I've only just joined a few minutes ago, so I am driving. I apologise if there's noise in the background, um, but good to be here. No actions, Brad. Just concentrate on the driving. We'll uh, we'll call upon you when needed, and uh, we'll read out your team, your changes, without you having to try and look at your phone while you're driving. But good to have you with us, Smorganism. Good evening. Hi guys, how are you going? Very well. Um, I was. Uh sitting up on the fourth level watching the game on on Sunday and I I guess a lot of the words that were said over the over the summer from the footy department and Sam just around the connection um, piece and and what that would mean and how long that would take um, obviously they didn't put any time period on that but it was interesting watching the game that was almost like a constant um, thing that was rattling around in my brain because even in the first quarter there was um I think uh Ferg and Chad had a bit of a bit of a disagreement about where they should be leading to and whether he should double back and 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 they ended up just completely screwing that up they could have given the ball to each other but um that sort of continued on at different points and got obviously worse as the game went on for us when we didn't when we couldn't get our hands on the ball and we couldn't stop Essen and transitioning so quickly but um, certainly even in the second quarter, uh, Will Day heading towards goal and just he, he wasn't quite sure who he was supposed to be kicking it to and it was a bit of a calamity of errors at different times. But I think that was the one thing that just kept, sort of kept coming back for me was the connection that they spoke about over the summer that was going to take time and you know these players are getting to know each other and they don't know exactly how each other player is going to react um, and where they're going to move to and I guess that's... It's not helped by having Mitch Lewis sitting on the sidelines because I think they would all know, I've just got to give it to Mitch. I've just got to kick it to him wherever he's moving to. That's the that's the area of the ground that I've got to get the ball to. So um, I think it's a bit of a watch, obviously. The effort was completely... Um, it just completely disappeared in the second half. But I think... Um, Mostly, I sort of came away from that game thinking, well, we saw a little glimpse of what the future might look like. And then we sort of got the reality of what we'd been told to look out for, which was that we were going to see some good moments and then we were going to see some bad ones. Yeah, that they're all really good points. And, I mean, we had Rob McCartney on a podcast before the start of the season. He, he's indicate, he said to say, I think you'll see some better football out of us in the second half of the season than you might in the first. And I think, well, on the evidence of one game so far, he might be proving correct. But I think the thing that disappointed most people was the um, was the uh, was the lack of effort. And as I said, the as we've said, the, the pressure rating was Hawthorne's lowest in a game for twenty since twenty ten. Now Essendon's wasn't all that much either. It was a fairly actually it was a pretty bruise free game of footy. Uh, all things considered, but I think that's the biggest disappointment is the, the lack of intent, which is why a couple of things that, um, you know, I think the call for Nash to play this week 
is is correct. You know, if nothing else with Nash, you get bash and crash. And he sort of made it again. He sort of, I think he's made for a ground like the SCG because he can get to a lot of contests um, because being a fairly small ground. So I think Nash coming into the side and playing as a you know playing in the midfield for as, off, as long as he can this week is a fairly sensible inclusion. It's it's why they'd want to get Co- uh, Cooper Stevens up and going as quickly as possible as well. He's had uh, the the feedback. Uh, he's had three weeks in the VFL now, and from all reports, it's looking okay. I think they'll be really keen to get him to the side. In the next couple of weeks, mate, Cooper Stevens might, uh, if, if Mitch has got a bit of a sense of theatre, I would, uh, we said, I don't know what you think about this, but I think possibly needs to Monday debut against his old team might be the way to go for Cooper Stevens um, to get put him in against the Cats and see how he goes. Um, to me, the other player, I think, and look, he's not ready yet, and, and what they're doing with it, I'm not 100% sure um, because he, he played in the midfield, he was training in the midfield over summer, but he's sort of gone back to the back line in the VFL, is Weddle, because what Essendon were doing was just transitioning from side to side and, and just running hard and just had the running power to do it all day. Now, what we know about Weddle is he's an athletic beast, so if Hawthorne wants to sort of try and match the transition gains of others, they're going to need some really fit, big bodies in there, and that's that's Weddle. So I'm just hoping, I mean, he's probably still several weeks away, but I'm really hoping they get Weddle into the side when they can, because I think he's playing the sort of He'll, he can play the brand of footy that a lot of the good teams play, which is that sort of transition style of footy. What I want to do now, yes. Ash, I was just going to say, it, it, it makes it an intriguing part of the ground because we just talked about how it was the most positive in terms of the kids playing through it on the weekend. We want to play Nash. We want to bring Stevens in. We want to see Weddle. You know, we want to see Huss wait at some point. All of a sudden, if Warple's playing good footy, if Finn's doing a jog job tagging someone well, there's only so much space. So, again, when it comes to defenders or forwards, we can go, you know what, DGB should play every game and he should play 20 and get them into him. Now, with this midfield depth, it feels like it's going to be a lot harder to get that juggle right. It's going to be yeah, intriguing. Well, that's uh, what they do at selection. We'll be fascinating around that. So a couple of philosophical questions came out of um, Sunday for me that I want to discuss with the panel. Then we'll just run through um, run through Brad's, Brad's very long battery. But So I'm just going to uh, we'll go through his sort of selection dissection for him before we finish up. Um, and then just one other question I want to quickly pose before we, we end up. Um, the first one is... A lot of people picked Hawthorne to finish on the, on the uh, to finish last. The the wooden's uh, the optimists amongst us said, well, they might be a bit better than that, and they they might be a little bit too good for finishing on the bottom. Well, I saw North firsthand on Saturday, and they looked pretty good against West Coast. Um, West Coast have got the advantage, you know, they win five six games just because they play at home. Suddenly, it's trying to work out where Hawthorne going to get enough wins to actually get off the bottom, which they're already uh, firmly uh, rooted on uh, in in bottom place. How do we feel about 23 weeks of this, Weezy? How do we feel about if that's if, if what we see on Saturday, what we saw on Sunday is going to be the season, just, you know, fits and spurts and they might squeeze out three wins over the course of the season and get that first wooden spoon for 57, 58 years, whatever it's been. How do we feel about this? Well, I definitely think we need to cross that bridge when we come to it. And again, after round one, actually, you always say, you know, we're not, we don't do wooden spoons. So even talking about wooden spoons or Harley Reid right now, I think it's ridiculous. Like you listen to everything that Sam has said, you listen to the players after the game, you know, having, having been to the post match um, meetings and, and you listen to their language and like we're all expecting a response, right? So we're not nece- necessarily expecting us to win, but we should see a bit more ferocity. We should see a bit more tackling. We should see a bit more um, of, of a contest. But uh, like there are going to be games where this happens. Yes, it was disappointing that it was round one and against Essendon. Um, there are going to be games where we don't expect it to happen where it where it does. There are going to be games where we do expect it to happen that it won't and things will click and that's okay. And do you know what? If we win only three or four games for the season, well, as 
I've lost you, Andrew. I don't know where you can hear me, um, whether people can hear me now, but I've, we've lost... Uh, no, I you can, can hear you. you can hear, at least he's gone. Oh, this way, be, one. Uh, you're back. All right, now. Uh, we're round one. Yeah, like, round one. Well, I think we can settle. I think we can settle and just take the next few weeks as they come and see how we go. All right. The other question I want to pose to everybody is: we have, this has dominated our, our WhatsApp uh, group, and I'm sure did the other WhatsApp group others as well. And we've got lots of comments as well that we're going to get to. So, yeah, we've got plenty of comments there that uh, we will get to before we finish up as well. So uh, keep sending them through. Um, the Chad Wingard conversation. So I put up a stat. I just went to the AFL database and it sort of struck me between the eyes. In five years at Hawthorne, Chad Wingard has played the first two games twice, and one of those was one of those years of twenty twenty when there was three months between round one and round two. Uh, incredibly frustrating. He looked really good, and I know he dropped that mark, but then turned that into a brilliant goal. The incredible frustration again of another soft tissue injury. Uh, Reassured by the club, it might be Peter Bird seemed to say it'd be a one-week injury only. Sam Mitchell did leave open the possibility at his press conference today that it might be a two-game injury before they get him back, but it's nowhere near as severe as the small t- as the soft tissue injuries he's had uh, in the last few years. But the incredible frustration we feel with with Chad Wingard, uh, it's interesting. I think Mitchell hears a bit of well, he's advised a bit of what the supporters think because he was at pains again today to talk about what a fantastic teammate and person he is around the club. So, But I would imagine the club is feeling the heat about Chad Wingard now. Wesley, what do you think? Yeah, it's been, I mean, it's been fascinating seeing, um, again, fans debate on both sides of the argument. And, I, I mean, for me, this at the moment is a very, very old, let's go back and revisit. And it's been... It's been extremely popular. Brad's tweet's gone absolutely nuts in terms of revisiting the deal. Um, I, I just go, like, we all know what happened. We all knew what we were buying into. We wanted more success. We were all upset about losing Burton at the time, but we knew what we were getting in a 26-year-old X-Factor, two-time All-Australian. He didn't have an, a, a bad injury record when we got him. Um, yes, it set us back. Yes, we could have more first-rounders on our list. Um, coulda, shoulda, all of that sort of stuff. I've been one of the bigger Chad Wingard fans and always supporting the, oh, I mean, another chance. He'll come good, he'll come good, he'll come good. At, at this point, I am very much, uh, if he comes good, great but no longer have an expectation on that being the case. And, like, it'll be what it'll be. I'm just going to move on from the emotional connection around what we were hoping to get as a footballer from Chad Wingard. And that's okay. It happens. But, like, what else can you do? If, if he plays 15 games this year and does well, great. But if he doesn't, like... Whatever, we just move on. All right, we've got Weesey. Quick question for you on Wingard. Sorry, um, if he's fit, like if he say he misses three or four weeks, but he's you know fit to come back, but Sam Butler's playing pretty well, or Tyler Brockman's been out given a crack, what do you do? What do you do if you're Sam? Because you're not going to play all of Wingard, Brockman, and Butler. Do you go with uh, Wingard and uh, his experience in you know you're going to get his class? Or do you continue with what I believe the club should do and now it's about giving the likes of Butler and uh, Brockman a game? Well, I think it'll be a balance, won't it, Brad? It'll depend on who we're playing. It'll depend on exactly, as you said, how those other guys have played. It'll depend on if there's a role with them. I, I don't think I don't think Sammy would be scared to make hard decisions on a guy like Chad Wingard. Like, he is a million percent the captain of this ship, right? Like, we know that. He won't be He won't be scared to make those decisions. So, again, same as with what happened on the weekend and the, he got out coached and where's the game plan and we've all put our faith in him and think that we're heading in the right direction. So we've just got to give it time and then 
bringing that back to Chad, Brad, I'd say, you know, we will see what he thinks at the time. But if we're predicting that our forward line is going to be functioning really, really well in four weeks' time and there isn't a spot back for Chad, I'd say, well, we're back, we're, we're back on it, aren't we, Brad? Like, uh, it's hard to imagine that there wouldn't be a spot for him if he's if he's fit at the moment. All right, we've got a lot of uh, comments. I just want to get through them before we get to Brad's changes for the week and one other quick discussion point we've got. So Smorganism's got a few here. Uh, I feel there'll be two changes, Max, a replacement for Wingard and possibly one other. They won't make Holzhock change after one match. I tend to agree, but we'll get Brad's views very shortly. Uh, Scamasaurus put us some good uh, video of uh, the third quarter. And not a good look. Basics like shepherding for a running halfback. Thank you, was forgotten by our captain for a cheap kick. Then squares it to Frost, who tries to kick down the middle. I'm sure this wasn't trained all pre-season. Uh, yeah, a lot of mistakes were made by everyone, including the captain, as the second half went on. Also, teams are not kicking long against us because they know our one wood is intercept marking. Sicily and GF, Bombers were chipping it around and not kicking it long because they knew we would drop off. Brad Scott did the same when he was the, at the Kangas, but then we were a lot, back then we were a lot better. Uh, Pozza, who has got a disgraceful uh, profile pick of Jake Stringer, but says, Hawthorne fan here... Absolute pain watching Bramble on the weekend when he's a ball user down back and someone who can intercept apart from GF. Bring in Scrimshaw, who is a good user, rather than poke myself in the eye than watch Bramble play. Apparently Scrimshaw playing, training the VFL team, uh, the VFL squad today, so he probably is not going to play. Um, so Laurent, Sam, High Hawk has got some scoop for you. DGB is certain to go home to WA at the end of the season. I would say if he's not regular in the team by the end of the season, that is almost certainly going to happen. Uh, Scamasaurus, I think Rams will eventually be our second ruck in the future. I think this week at the SCG, we only need one big up forward. Brad will tell us shortly. Um, Mick Cowan, Green and Saronga floating forwards. Agree on Meek being the bailout target up forward. Yes, they might have to try that. I was a bit frustrated on the weekend. They didn't sort of just instruct whoever was the rest, whoever wasn't in the ruck of Meek and uh, of Meek and Reeves. Just play deep and just try something different. Um, our rucks, uh, our rucks were scared to drive at the centre bounces. They were scared of contact. Not sure about that, but they just uh, didn't do a brilliant job. Uh, McAvoy provided the rucks ability last year. Reason they haven't played the games, that is true. Um, Ramson in the rehab group today. Hopefully, light duty didn't look to have an obvious issue. Thing about Hawthorne was they had, uh, I mean, they've got their big session Thursday, now, I think, um, or Friday, Friday will be their big session before the game. So they had two big sessions today, tomorrow's a day off, I think, and then they go at it again Friday. Whoever train they'll pick a squad tomorrow night, but Friday will be fairly revealing. Uh we need to look at Ben King at free agency. I don't think Ben King will come to Hawthorne anytime soon. Um hello guys, what's the watching of Harley Reed highlights off YouTube been like after Sunday? I'm sure a lot of Hawthorne supporters will be watching uh Harley Reed videos all the time now, and perhaps they'll be quite happy to finish on the bottom to get him. I can't recall the player already being so obviously touted as the number one pick this early in the season, as Harley Reid has been now in the last 12 months. It's quite incredible. Uh, something here, that new Hawthorne Metro jumper that they're going to wear this year is going to be has been leaked. I think it's... Uh, Spaces doesn't display it very well, but uh, Josh Joshy Naden on Twitter. If you look up his, his Twitter handle, you'll see what that looks like. Um, Scrimshaw is a big mystery at the moment. No one's really asked questions about him and no one at Hawthorne. Had I been at the media conference, some would have asked the question of the coach about Scrimshaw. Uh, and Meek should be working him over, bash and crash him, and then Reeves just dominates with his height. Well, that is uh, maybe the way to go. Okay, Brad, I don't know whether, how much battery life you've got left. Um, you said you struggled. Do you want to I'm go I'm alive. Through? I've got it. No, you're I'm good? in the charge in here. Oh, Sorry. very good. Okay, you take us through your selection dissection. Firstly, just, just do ins and outs. What should happen and what will happen uh, as we look at yes. Sydney on uh, Sunday. There is an apology. So this is what I went with uh, yeah, and earlier in my uh, angry state. So I had what should happen is out Wingard and injured, Bramble omitted, Cozzy omitted, Impey it omitted. But um, it was more just I wanted us to go more with the youth policy. But I think looking back, I did actually re-watch a bit of the game and uh, Impey actually played really, really well. So... I apologise to Jarman. My ins were Butler, Scrimshaw, Ramsden and Nash. Ramsden obviously kicked four in the VFL. He's not going to come in. 
Um, Nash, I agree with Ash. I think he has to play on the at SCG. Um, I don't think Scrimshaw is going to come in. Um, Butler will definitely play. Butler will come in for wing guard. He had 17 and kicked two for Box Hill. Tyler Brockman, unfortunately, was really quiet. Only had five possessions. He did kick a goal, but definitely needs a few weeks at Box Hill. What I think will happen, uh, wing guard's obviously out, so Sammy Butler will come in for him. I think Bramble will lose his spot. Um, I think Connor Nash will actually come in for Bramble. I think Scrimshaw's going to miss out. I don't know why, as you mentioned. I think I've missed a bit of the conversation. But there's obviously something going on there. He did play well for Box Hill, but he did have an interrupted preseason. So I don't think Sam's going to swing the axe. Somebody said so that uh, somebody said changes. his opponent kicked five goals in the VFL. So, uh, well, his yeah, stats look he isn't good. coming in. He, uh, his opponent yeah. played pretty well as well. Yeah, so I think it'll be um, Nash and Butler. I think Bramble will probably be the sub. I thought Nash actually was pretty good as the sub last week. But as you mentioned, Nash, the SCG, small ground. And I actually fear what the Sydney uh, midfield are going to do to us. I know in the past, Hawthorne's actually played pretty well at the SCG. Um, we seem to match up pretty well against Sydney. But Sydney looked ominous against Gold Coast last week. in that midfield of... Um, Chad Warner, Errol Goulden, who's now gone in there, Luke Parker, um, Row Bottom, Row Bottom uh, Callum Mills as well. Which which of them? Which of them is sending Finn to Brad? Probably Warner. I think he's probably their best uh, midfielder. Callum Mills is a pretty good player, but I don't think he hurts you. Chad Warner is a is a is an absolute superstar. We don't hear in, enough about him here because he obviously plays for Sydney. But if you watched him last year. You watch their midfield against Gold Coast on the weekends. Our boys are going to have a lesson. They're going to learn a lot, our team. And it's interesting because the midfield of Sydney is actually young. Goulden's only, you know, 21. Chad Warner's, I think, only 22. Uh, Rowbottom's still quite young. Um, Callum Mills is not that old. Sydney's got a scary team, and they're going to be good for a long time. They're going to be one of the benchmarks this year. They'll be pushing for top four. Um, they'll definitely play finals and a good chance to finish in the top four. So it'll be interesting to see what Sam does, but I think there'll only be a couple of changes. What do you uh, – margin to the Swans, Brad? Uh, I reckon – I think the line with the bookies is about six and a half to seven goals. I'd be very surprised if it's under 40 points. If you're a betting man, you'd back Sydney 40-plus. Um, but – you never know. Like I know we'll definitely come out a lot harder, especially after what we saw on Sunday. I think Sam will have them uh, up and about, hopefully. Um, SCG games are normally very scrappy. I know that's where Jai made his debut, and I think he had, was it 13 tackles or 14, 14 tackles? 14 record, debut, 14 tackles. Record. Yeah, so like it'll suit you know Jai and probably Connor Nash types, but it's going to be a big learning. James Warple will probably have a good game as well, but this is going to be a big learning experience um, for Ward, uh, for young uh, Mackenzie, uh, Connor McDonald, and a few of uh, those boys. But it's going to be a good test for them. It's good to come up against a team like Sydney after what we put up last week. It's going to be a good test. Weezy, what do you want to see out of Sunday? Yeah, just want to see the effort, like everything that Brad just said, that we're expecting. I'm not expecting us to win. And again, that's okay. Um, and also, yeah, just to be able to come onto our review pod and have the five or six or seven players that we're happy with. Uh, love to see Day back up his performance. Uh, love to see Mackenzie um, string it together a little bit more for more of the game. But, yeah, just add to the experience and, and come away with uh, a number of more positives. I think the rucks are the other one as well, given what you mentioned around the question marks over Laddams. If Meek and Reeves, you know, there's a long way to go with that partnership, but assert some sort of dominance as a ruck force, that would be wonderful. Sad there's no bud for the last time. We play, it looks like we're Hawthorne playing against Franklin and played against Franklin for the last time. Sad because he doesn't kick goals against well, us. Well, it's sad. I mean, I've always uh, enjoyed the theatre of the Franklin game. No, I agree. I, I agree. I mean, you know, he started off so well the other day, didn't he? Like, he was on fire early and then basically got nowhere near it for the rest of the game. But, 
you know, just those couple of moments makes you remember. And yeah, it is a little bit sad. Like I've been one of the um, anti-buddy to Sydney, biggest biggest um, leaders of the anti-buddy to Sydney movement. Um, but it will be sad. It's just a shame that that we can't see him one more time. But uh, so um, be it. Now, um, my my what I'd like to see on Sunday is just effort. I mean, if I just want to see effort, I'm sort of. I just want the, the takeaway for the game to be, well, the, the effort was there. They had a dip. They redeemed themselves in that department. They weren't quite good enough, but uh, they, they, they played the game out and gave the Swans a few concerns and a few, a few individual highlights. That's what I want to say on Sunday. Not expecting a win. I think they'll run them probably a bit closer than the, uh, you know, I reckon it might be a four, four or five goal game rather than a 40, 50 point blowout. But uh, yeah, I just want to see effort on. Sunday, and I suspect that's probably what the coaches want to see as well. It's more or less what the coaches promised today. If you listen to his media conference, last quick thought because we're about to wrap it up. Um, Brad, I want your views on this because it might be interesting. Isaac Smith, Hawthorne Premiership hero, three times over today, proposed a change to the father son rule that will allow if you've played a premiership game, if you've played a premiership for another for a club, whether it's a but you've played even one game for a club and you win a premiership of that club, then your children should be eligible to play for that club under the father-son-slash-daughter rule. What are your views on that? It's hard to comment because Isaac I know really well. I've told the story. I still claim that it was thanks to me that Isaac got drafted into the AFL, but I'll tell that story another day. Um, no, I don't, I don't agree with that from Isaac. I think 100... It's 100 games at the moment, isn't it, for father-son, which I think is a lot. I think it should be 50-plus. But why, if you play in the premiership, like what's the... No, I disagree. I haven't, I haven't heard those comments or saw those comments. But um, I disagree with Isaac. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I'm not quite sure of that either. I think uh, I love the father-son rules. It's one of my favourite things about football. And it's actually one thing, I, you know, as a big, massive NFL fan, Brad, there's one thing I think NFL's missing as a father-son rule. I think the NFL would be fantastic yeah. with, a, with a father-son rule. Um, no, I think uh, Isaac made the point that uh, you know, his daughter is three and a half, is now a diehard Geelong supporter, and uh, which is fair enough, that's her dad plays for. They enjoy watching Hawthorne play on a Sunday, but, you know, he'd like to think that she could play for the Cats because that's the team she barracks for. Um, but I think yeah, through eligibility, well, it will get a bit ridiculous. Uh, you know, Clark Keating or Aaron Keating played in five games for Adelaide. You know, does that qualify him for life? Does that mean his kids would always play in a, can play for the Crows? I'm not quite sure. Um, Ash, what about a grandparent that's playing? Well, this is game? what we want the, for Will Lorenz. The, that's going to be hard work. It's going to be very hard to see, it's going to be very hard to see Graham Arthur's. Uh, grandkid running around for a team other than Hawthorne uh, next season because Graham Arthur is one of the greatest Hawthorne people of all time, first premiership captain. So that will be a, a difficult one to swallow. But, and that's what's brought up the question. Uh, it begs the question, would um, would 100 games from a grandparent be... Uh, no, I don't think, know, no, as, I don't think just... so. Um, as much as the romance of having Graham Arthur's grandson play for Hawthorne, I don't think uh, a grandson... Uh, grandfather rule uh, would work. Yeah, that would that would complicate the draft, I think, um, a little bit too much. Um, so I think that will just about wrap it up. We did surprisingly well, given the pretty much two of us driving for the whole night. We should go and uh, have a, uh, a Bex and a good lie down after that one. Thanks, everyone, for your support of Hawks Insiders. Uh, $5, about $50 a year. We had wonderful feedback, huge numbers to our first uh, player pod um, a player play review podcast which we dropped on Sunday night for Monday morning it was grim listening but so many of you downloaded it so we really really do appreciate that we've got a couple of special one-off podcasts planned in the in the books the next little while and, and some articles as well so keep supporting Hawks Insiders we really do appreciate it this is a place to come I think increasingly the longer the season goes on everybody um, the Hawks are going to be all but ignored by the mainstream footy media, if they're just going to be sort of chugging along on the bottom of the ladder, not doing a whole lot, playing one o'clock Sunday games at Fox Hill, out of mind, out of sight. So if you want decent conversation, decent info about Hawthorne, don't be looking through the mainstream media for it. Come to places like us to get your Hawthorne fixed. We'll be talking Hawthorne every day. We'll be writing or talking about Hawthorne pretty much every day 
for the rest of the season, which is what is the main thing that concerns most of you. Um, any housekeeping I need to know about, Weezy, before we finish up? No, absolutely nailed it. Let's hope uh, let's hope we get some good namings tomorrow night and see that effort on on Sunday and looking forward to a few more pieces before That's then as right. well. That's right. So uh, thanks, everyone, for uh, listening to Hawks Insiders and joining us on The Spaces tonight. Enjoy the rest of the week. Let's hope we get some, pleasant, some pleasantly surprising viewing at 1.10pm Sunday as the Hawks visit the Swans. We will talk to you again next week. We're back Wednesday for another couple of weeks on The Spaces. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Have a good few days. We'll see you soon. Good night. This was another Hawks Insiders production. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack for wall-to-wall Hawthorne Footy Club coverage.